Hey everyone, I'm here with Jason Freed from 37 Signals. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey Justin, how are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you, especially following you know your launch yesterday of Once. Um, it's super fresh. And um, what I wanted to focus on today was copywriting, like in particular, and how you just just um, like the quickest kind of path and story through how you get to to the day of launch, particularly in terms of writing, mm-hmm. with a focus on that. Um, and if listeners haven't seen the copy and the launch, um, please go to once.com. Uh, it's an amazing piece of writing I found and immediately like arresting. And I think it's really relevant for indie makers that have built something and then they, they have to launch it out to the world. Um, and I wanted to get your your insights really on what your process is and relate that to a bit to the principles I know that you've been following for like decades because um, I've read a lot of that myself. So yeah, where, where does the process start for you um, that ends up that page that everyone goes to read? Yeah, so I, I just, uh, I wait until I feel a certain spark and then I start to write and I typically will write the whole thing in five to 10 minutes. And then, so I don't, I don't edit as I go. I just like kind of write the whole thing in 10 minutes. That's never going to be the final version, but it's the first version. Right. If it takes me longer than that, I don't write it because then I find myself struggling to write something. I need to feel like it's flowing out of me effortlessly for it to be good. Um, if, if I don't get there early, then, then I, I just stop and maybe I'll start again tomorrow or something like that. But that's how it starts for me. Then I read it back, then I edit, then I tweak, I play with the intro, I play with the end, you know, I do all the editing playing. It's playing. It's for me, it's playing. It's like molding clay. It's, it's, um, you know, and I'll, I'll pick a word and I'll look at a line. Sometimes I'll have a paragraph and I go, this would be better with this final sentence on its own line, you know? So I like just put the cursor and hit return twice, get it on its own line, and it gives it more of an, a punch, more energy, things like that. So I'm, I'm always thinking about rhythm, energy, what it's like to read something, to stop, to move your eye down to the next line, read something, see that it's going to be short, anticipating that it's probably going to be punchy because it's short, and then deliver on that. So it's it's those kinds of things. But for me, it's a very poetic musical experience, really, to, to write and to, to read and to edit. That's so interesting. Like I, I know that we haven't met before, but I, I've ten, 10 years a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my previous history. So when I um, was reading through Get Real, um, Getting Real recently, I saw um, how the titles were very much like song titles. Um, and mm-hmm. I saw that um, in the 1999 principles, you had a section called sloganeering too. Um, and there's loads of things we can jump around in terms of, of the release language, but maybe it's just starting there with like the naming once. Um, do, do you, in what, in what sequence does all of this happen? Like, you, you know, there's another, there's another chapter called What's the Big Idea? And I, when I read this uh, release yesterday, I kind of wondered if you'd written this quite a long time ago as a, as a broad outline of what your vision was. So I'm just really interested in like the sequence of yeah. how this gets formulated. Well, we've been working on this. So first of all, the product that we're going to release is not called Once. Once is more like a collect. It's going to be a collection of things. It's like a product line. So we've been working on this product uh, for a few months now. Um, not what I 
roadmap yesterday, but the actual product we're going to release at the end of this year. So that started first. Didn't have a name for this collection. Didn't even know if there was going to be a name for the collection. It could have just been called like some, another product from 37 Signals. It still could be called that. We, we don't really know um, exactly how we're going to use the language. Use once, use the brand, use that thing. But we wanted... Uh, but we wanted to think about it. So it just kind of like, I just put it in my head, like, I'm going to just listen to the universe here. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, there's no deadline here to figure it out. If something comes to me, something comes to me. And um, the thing that you read yesterday, I wrote about two weeks ago um, and was really planning on launching it two weeks ago. Um, but when I wrote it and I kept looking at it, I said, it'd be really nice to have once.com. Like, I'm, I'm leaning on this idea of once so much in this that I think maybe we should try to see if we can get this. So I'd actually reached out to someone a few months ago, seeing if it was available, and it was, because I was sort of thinking about this word, but it didn't do anything about it. And then a few weeks ago, we kind of got serious about it. Um, and it wasn't until seeing it in print Essentially, it's not really in print, but you know, on, in pixels on the screen, yeah, yeah. where I realized sort of how nice it would be to have that if we could get it. Um, so things tend to like everything plays off off one another. You know, we started working on the product. This idea of paying for something once was just something that you know was was at the forefront. That's one of the key differentiation points. There's going to be many, which I'll be talking about over the next few weeks publicly. Yeah, but this is the like the core fundamental initial difference once and as i started writing in like once once upon a time once you could do this pay once like there's something here with this let's and then seeing it a bunch of times in a bunch of places made me think i should go for the domain so it's very circular as i'm speaking now it's even circular because i I, it's not a big grand plan things unfold and you start somewhere, it opens up, and you see something else, and that opens up to something else, and that opens up to something else. And sometimes you look at a bunch of things together, and that opens up something else. And you just sort of see where it goes, and you follow the lead, basically, and uh, or you keep pulling on the string. And then, like, I think we can get this. It would, it would make it even better if we got it, but we didn't need it. Um, but I'm glad that we have it. And so, that, so that's why we waited a couple weeks to launch this, even though it was ready a couple weeks ago, because we had to secure the domain. It's so interesting. So you, you're kind of describing like an interplay between spontaneity and how, well, the way I see it is that you, is it wrong to say that you have a playbook in terms of thinking about writing? Um, and it's this kind of play between spontaneity and things you've learned, like the craft of writing, right? Um, and that's really interesting because, you know, in my own case with songwriting, it took me a long time um, to kind of learn the craft, um, the, the basic structure of how songs were made. And it was only later that I injected, um, you, you know, my own side of things into it. So is that how you're, how you're kind of seeing it? Is, it? is it a play between those two? I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. Um, I never liked writing growing up. I didn't like writing until I got older when I got to write things that I cared about. Like I didn't like to write a report about something I was assigned, but I do like writing as a, as an art form now because it, it's, it's a way to express something and to uh, put a perspective in someone's head they may not have considered. Uh, and it's a really effective way of doing that, I think, in a, on a broad scale. Uh, and I still think it has a lot of, I mean, video, of course, is extremely good too, but there's something about writing a letter, which I think is always kind of fun. So 
what we try to do as far as a playbook goes, though, I, I think I like to try to lead with a point of view and release the point of view first before releasing the product. So we did the same thing with Hey. When we launched Hey, H-E-Y.com, our email service, the first thing we launched was this letter that I wrote, this ode to email, basically. And uh, that just sat up there for oh, a few months, I think, before we launched Hey. And it was sort of a line in the sand. I think of this as like a line in the sand. Like here's our, our flag in the, in, in the ground. Like here's our point of view. And I want to let that sit, settle, and marinate. And then we come back with the thing we have to deliver. At the end of the day, we have to make a product. We can't just talk. It can't be vaporware. So we've got to deliver on, on what we're saying. But I, I like putting that out early because I like people to start to think about it. And then um, when we can follow, we'll follow up with a handful of other things we're going to be talking about with once over the next few weeks and, and months. Uh, and so we'll sort of keep that, keep that fresh, keep blowing more oxygen on that flame, basically. And then we'll, we'll release the product when it's for, you know, full, fully done and ready to go uh, by the end of this year is, is the plan. So um, there is a little bit of a formula, a little bit of a playbook, but it still is all about what's unfolding and when is it. So there's not like every week we're not going to release something. We'll release yeah. something when we have something new to say. I'm working on the next thing right now. It's not anywhere where it needs to be. Maybe it'll be ready next week. And if it is, I'll put it out there on a Thursday. I don't know. Uh, if it's not ready, I'll wait two weeks or three weeks. It doesn't really matter. It just has to feel right. Got it. Amazing. So one, one of the things um, was definitely on my mind, like going back, I think it's in, in Getting Real, where um, it may even be in the 1999 principles, which is you can define who you are by defining who you're not. Yes. And like you can't miss it in this release. Um, <laughs> like there's two like levels of emotive language, you know, the analogy with landlords and tenants and eviction um, immediately, um, you know, I had a, re a reaction because I've been evicted uh, from like yeah. a London flat and I know what it's yeah. like for, for six guys coming up with hammers, um, yeah. you know, giving you, giving you notice to get out. But, but the main thing, like the church recurring revenue, um, you know, the call to like go there, is that, is that again spontaneous or intentional? Because, you know, I've seen this in your other work. It's the way I kind of feel it is it's, it's like the rebellious teenager anti-authority it's there it seems like it's in everything that you do <laughs> and um is that just like you by nature writing spontaneously or do you start going okay who are we who are we going to define here very much to, to to show who we are it, it it just happens so part of it is a certain you, you stumble on some poetic phrase like the church of recurring revenue um i don't know it just came from somewhere um, I've heard people talk about the Church of Revenue before, like Bob Moesta, who, who's a sort of a mentor of mine, is a guy who I like a lot. We talk a lot. He's always had this phrase, the Church of Revenue. Um, and so I like kind of had that in my head somewhere floating around, but it's really the Church of Recurring Revenue. And then who's praying to the church and paying yeah. prayers and payers? Like the, I like these sort of rhythmic bounces between words that are similar that both resolve at the same ending, which is at church, at, at this church of recurring revenue. And the landlord-tenant thing um, was also something that sort of came up as I was writing. It wasn't, I didn't set out to think about it that way, but it was software as a service, is a, it, you're renting. And the rental relationship is almost always seen as an adversarial relationship in, in apartments, for example. Like the landlord 
is the big evil landlord and you're just trying to pay the rent and they keep raising the rent on you and you have not, there's nothing you can do but maybe move out. And, you know, there's just sort of this, this, this tension there. And I wanted to sort of, that, that is what software as a service is too. I mean, like, you know, we don't raise our prices on our customers, but like a lot of companies do and you're SOL because like, that's just what happens. Your data's there, everything's there. Like, you know, you're at the whim of, of this landlord essentially. Um, and, uh, you know, if they don't fix the fridge, you know, in this case, they don't fix the bug, like, well, what are you going to do about it? Really? I mean, you could leave, I suppose, but like, they know you really kind of sort of can't. And so I want to kind of evoke that because that's really what SaaS is. You can have good relationships too. Hopefully we have good relationships with our customers, but typically that is not always a very even power split. Um, so yeah, these, this, but the rebellion thing, I don't know. Uh, it's probably coming from um, some, somewhere you know, long ago. Uh, uh, or I, I've always tried to push back against things I didn't understand. And, and I just don't like to accept things that don't make sense to me. Uh, I'd rather push on them a little bit and see if, they, see if there's something there that I hadn't seen or if there's actually nothing there and they're quite flimsy. So maybe it's just something that's in me and, and it comes out in my writing. But I always have more fun when I write that way. And... Um, uh, and you know, even in this case, I'm in some ways running against my own self-interest because like we are a SaaS company, yeah. Basecamp and Hey are, are, uh, you know, our two primary products that, that allow us to do everything else. So like I'm hitting myself in a sense here too, but that's okay. It's true. Um, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm always writing something that's true in that case. So that is, that is reality. Got it. Okay. This is awesome. Let's let's finish on just for indie makers out there that um, you know are at the stage of maybe making their first product um, or their second product, and many have not seen themselves as writers. Like that that applies to me, but I realize in making a product that writing is going to become vitally important on all kinds of levels, like uh, the kind of launch copy that you that you've done, but also internal writing you know it, sharing the vision if you're in a wider team um, and you've been on you know multi-decade journey as a writer as well as a ceo um, and i just wondered you know do you see writing as like as, as a talent um that's you know in some cases inborn or did you just learn gradually and do you do you do you have any tips other than just start writing get writing for people that that maybe don't have confidence in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, no, I think, I think it's a skill like pretty much everything in life is a skill. You can get better at it. The more you work at it, the more time under tension you have, hopefully the better you'll be. Um, but I do think it's important to enjoy it. It's hard. It's hard to get better at something if you don't like it. And so writing something that like writing, writing for enjoyment, I think is, you know, it, it is, is a big part of this. So like find something you can write about that you care about. I, I always like to, to point out contrasts in writing. This is getting also to the sort of the SaaS versus pay once and yeah. email, Gmail is what they, you know, and hey, I like contrast. I, th I think if you can find contrast, it's sort of easier to write about things actually because you have a little bit of an enemy. Um, but you got to enjoy it. If you're going to sustain it, you have to ultimately enjoy it. My advice, though, um, is is um, I think a lot of people have a really easy time communicating verbally. Um, they can have a conversation. They can hold a conversation, no problem. But then they freak out about writing. I would just write like you speak. 
Just write like you talk. Um, in fact, if you have a hard time starting writing and you don't like looking at that blank page, just dictate, just talk and dictate and record and transcribe and you'll start with a draft of something somewhere and you can refine and, and play with that, like mold it again like clay if, if you feel like that would be helpful for you. But I think the more you can think about writing like you speak and that these words are just silent uh, on the page but they're spoken, I, I think you can get over a lot of that initial fear of the blank page and I don't know how to write. But you know how to speak, you know how to communicate, so you do know how to write if you just choose to write that way. And I think a big part of the reason why people get scared about this or get knocked off course is because in school and university and growing up, um, writing was a very formal experience. And, and there's sort of these rules and there's business letter styles. There's all these styles and, and, and formalities you're supposed to follow. Um, that's one way of writing, but I don't, you don't have to write that way. Uh, you, know, you don't have to follow that. You're, you're out of school. You're not going to get graded anymore. Just you know, write and communicate. So this other way I think about it is communicate. Don't write. Communicate. It just happens to be communicating through your fingers. Um, but when you start thinking about it like that, I do think it gets easier. Yeah, and that links. Um, the, there was another section of, of getting real about more broadly, um, even building your product, that it's something that you're passionate about. And, and that would apply to the writing or the building, every kind of phase of development, um, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just everything, everything's easier when you're having a good time, you know, like, uh, and, and look, business is hard and all this stuff's hard. It's, it's all hard. But so, okay, so it's hard. Let's just, we know that's the case. Um, how can we, you know, put things a little bit more in our favor? How can we increase our odds or how can we, you know, get through it? Hopefully it's, you find something that you, you enjoy. It tickles you in some way, you know. Uh, I enjoy, hey, let's say this one thing just doesn't pan out. It totally might not. I don't know what's going to happen. At least I enjoyed writing this and I'm going to enjoy writing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing because I enjoy writing about these kinds of things. And these are points of view that I believe in and I have. Whether or not the market responds, I don't know. The market will tell me that. I, I can't, I have some ideas. I think it's going to work, but I, I don't know. But at the very least, I enjoy the process and I enjoy the work. Um, that's key. Otherwise, it's really hard to sustain things for a long, sustain anything, I would say, for a long period of time. I mean, I've picked up guitar 10 times in my life to try to learn and I, I can play okay, but I just don't enjoy it as much as I enjoy drums. I just enjoy drums. The problem is I don't have a drum kit, so I don't really, I can't really play around here right now. But I just, whenever I get behind a kit, I just enjoy that way more. Um, and I just can't fake it. Like I, I just do. I, drums are more me than guitar. That's just the way it is. So like I should lean more into that, which I'm not currently, but I, I'm still struggling to learn guitar. But, but I guess that's the point. Find the, find something that that just feels more natural and and and, and do that. And I think you're going to at least have a better shot and enjoy the process. It's a really really good place to kind of close off because um, I started by saying this is this is kind of my first podcast interview and I really enjoyed it, which means you do great. I'm gonna I'm gonna do more. Um, so thank you, Jason. Thank you. It's Jason Freed from 37 Signals. And if you haven't checked out once.com, go there right now and you can sign up to the mailing list to be notified of when the products are coming through. Thanks, I Jason. appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It was wonderful. And you did a great job on your first podcast.